Hey everybody, thanks again for tuning in to The Back Pew. My name's Nick, and today I'm sitting down with Jovan and Garrett of the Highland and Lamore churches to discuss the topic of church leadership. In this episode, we'll talk about good leadership, bad leadership, healthy leaders, and healthy people. And remember, if you like this podcast, go ahead and hit that plus button, subscribe to our podcast, so you can know every time we upload a new episode to Apple or Spotify. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the show, and we'll see you on the back pew. In short, the servant leader principle applies to all of us, mm -hmm. whether you are officially appointed or not. Right. So, on at that level, it's somewhat flat. Right. Right. Our relationship, how we work together, it's somewhat flat. Your appointedness should not affect your ability to serve with others. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, perhaps now I'm about to hit 25 seconds, but in addition <laughs> to that, um, I know of no other particular role where the spirit led apostle says you have the oversight mm. outside of the elders. How's it going, guys? Are you ready? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> yes. Uh, you guess? Yeah. Um, is this your first time on a podcast? Yes, probably. Yes. No. No? Uh, I was on, uh, was it Deer Church with Chris McCurley? Oh, that's fancy. Now you're on the back pew awesome. with, uh, you know, all of us other sinners. The one Ooh, yeah, the one on Nick Westberg. Wow. Nick Westberg. This is a bonus episode. So we're up here at Bible Bible Camp, and uh, I thought it would be a good idea to take advantage of some of the more knowledgeable people that I know. Um, and oh, I thought a, a good way to do that would be to um, reach out to some of the guys that I had looked up to and learned from in the past. And so um, I chose these two guys uh, who are with me today, Jovan and Garrett, and we're going to talk about uh, church leadership. Um, the culture of church leadership. So uh, before we just dive right into our what we're going to talk about today, uh, why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves? I'm Jovan, pa I'm Jovan Paez. I've been preaching full-time for about 13 years. I came to Jesus when I was uh, about 17. And at the time, I was very deep in gang culture in San Francisco. And from there, just... All the different things happening, violence, the drugs, the, the the chase, the all kinds of stuff led me to really question what I was doing and question questioning what I was doing with what I was becoming. And mm -hmm. from that um, started a, a path that led me to reading the Gospels, seeing Jesus and wanting what Jesus was offering. And I became a Christian after that. I obeyed the gospel, uh, was baptized and started going to a small church in San Francisco, very uh, multi-ethnic, culturally diverse uh, congregation, which is fitting for the city. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, was uh, decided I wanted to do ministry after a couple years of clarity. And, and I had great mentors there. You know, we went, they showed me sort of the behind the scenes of ministry before I even went to school. 
kind of know what it would look like. Yeah. Like get some reality. Sure. And then from there I went to a, a small private Christian university called Fried Hardeman University. We got my bachelor's in Bible. And then recently I earned a master's in Christian apologetics from Biola University here in California. So yeah. been doing that. Um, and uh, it's been now almost over 24 years or so. Well, <laughs> my name is Garrett Sander. Uh, I'm the minister at the Lamore California Church of Christ. And uh, I also came to Christ about when I was 17, uh, thanks to my wonderful wife. Uh, we've been married about 23 years now. I have two basically grown children. And uh, I've been working in ministry for about 15 years. Uh, I've worked at several congregations in Oregon and California. Everything from... 20 people to 100 people, mostly small church uh, ministry. Uh, most of the time, I've also held a, a secular job. Um, I do right now. So, uh, you know, by vocational tent making, whatever you want to call it. But uh, <laughs> I just prefer to say I'm a preacher with a, another job. But uh, By the way, you sound really great. Like you could be a radio <laughs> guy. That's what you sound like. You just, you have that good radio voice. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. So this is, um, huh? What'd you say? I was like, totally. Definitely. Totally. He does. Yeah. And when he was talking, he was just like so smooth and like, man, you could, you should start a podcast yourself. You just if you got that radio if voice, read, man. If you read books, <laughs> I would buy more books. Hey, Jesus gave you that voice for a reason. Use it. You have a podcasting voice. You have a gift. Okay. We'll, we'll skip over it, you know, blowing your head full of hot air and um, <laughs> jump into uh, what we're going to, what we're going to talk about today. Um, so, uh, what, uh, in your view, um, as much as you've studied scripture and looked at um, church leadership, do you feel like is the divine design behind um, the way the church, uh, the way church leadership should be structured, organized? Mm. Well, I personally, I think when I look at scripture and I think I look at the gospels and I look at I think the first thing we have to settle down is or nail down is um, the character of leadership mm. before organization, before we structure ourselves, we have to get down to what Jesus said to his disciples that the greatest among you will be the servant of all. Mm -hmm. So I think if we're going to talk divine design, we have to talk about that first mm -hmm. because no, it doesn't matter if we have a hierarchy structure or a relational structure. However, we think, you know, we, what we see in scripture as the organization of the church, if you don't have that right, that's not going to matter. Right. Do you, do you, I, and I, this is my personal opinion, but you may agree too, but the, the scriptures and God sets us up for building healthy church leaders, right. Yeah. And working relationships. Um, Absolutely. I think at times we, we focus too much on that kind of, as your mom put it, like hierarchy. We, we want to have people with this title in place and too often we're too focused on that than more focused on having people with a title than we are having the right people in place. Right. So what do you think the working relationship should be between elders, preachers, deacons? 
again well i guess we didn't even we didn't even start with what (laughs) what kind of leaders we're talking about here okay so we started with with servant leaders right Right. of course you know personally an individual who is a leader is a servant and leadership as john maxwell would say leadership uh influence is leadership leadership is influence right vice versa um what what is the um what in, in uh, I, of course we could look at First uh, Timothy three for um, what we would call those individuals who are leading the church, right? First mm-hmm. Timothy three, we have elders, overseers. Mm-hmm. Um, what uh, you may know more about this, but the, uh, as far as I understand it, there are two different words for elder. I'd say mm-hmm. there's three. There's three. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's elder, right? Okay? Um, and then you have um, shepherd or pastor. Mm-hmm. And then you have overseer, right? Um, First Timothy three focuses on the word overseer, oversight. Um, in my work, like one of my areas of training is in languages, and so when I've done work in that text, it's episkopos or episcopal, mm-hmm. you know, and it has this idea of we usually, usually we usually use the word overseer, and it almost comes off as a title, right? But the word itself is really a function. Mm. It's a Just function. Out and, yeah. <laughs> and if anyone desires the role or responsibility of oversight, yeah. that's probably a better way of looking at it. Um, mm-hmm. And so you have that passage, but you also have First Peter chapter five, verses one to five, where shepherding is the is the um, leading idea. So now you have one passage that deals with oversight. Sure. And then another passage you have of shepherding or pastoring. Mm. So then you have the idea, and Peter is very explicit with his metaphors there when he deals with shepherding. uh, And as a fellow shepherd or a fellow, even an elder, he calls himself. And then he talks about the flock. Mm. So the metaphor of shepherd and sheep is, is also part of that. But then you get to Acts 20 when the apostle Paul is is speaking in his farewell discourse to elders who are uh, from the city of Ephesus, but they came to meet him at Troas. But in Acts 20, I think it's verse 28, he uses, he combines all the words. Mm-hmm. Oh. To the elders, shepherd the flock. Mm. God is, the spirit has given you oversight. That's, in, that's really interesting. No, I don't think I've ever observed that. So, I mean, I've no, I've seen the words, but I didn't know it was one Greek. It's one Greek word. Is that what you're saying? It's no, 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 no. There's three words. There's three different. There's words. three different words in that so one the elder, passage. Yes. Wow. So wow. the people, the 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 individuals who are there are called elders. Yeah. And when he's speaking to them, he says, "Shepherd the flock." Right. So you begin to see that, um, the an elder shepherds and overseas and there's something interesting about the word overseeing or oversight um from from my reading it it uh it's associated with the location a shepherd would stand Mm. as he oversaw his flock interesting so um so i like to translate that word guardian well Mm -hmm. you know that's good. Um, and so I think when we talk about the, these roles, we see when we see in the New Testament, the kind of roles individuals have, and these are qualified roles. In other words, there's actual character lists right, right. connected to these roles. Yeah. It's not just 
you don't have to have qualifications per se to be right. it's qualities over qualifications right yeah i mean i've talked to several no no you don't think so I, i'm a little bit of both and both and okay you know um it's a i'd rather use the word a profile profile okay it's right. a profile of a person's character that yeah necessary. well i mean you wouldn't want some kind of i mean we wouldn't want we wouldn't have wanted, you know, uh, Jesus to be a corrupt individual, you know, if you had gone and died on, died on the first sins on the cross, right? We we know that humans aren't perfect, and, but we expect, you know, uh, leaders to be, you know, examples. Um, and, and with the with the idea that they are projecting the image that uh, of that Savior in a more mature way than maybe some of the sheep would. Does that sound right? That's I'm, reasonable. I mean, I think that's right. Yeah. Good, bad assumption. But, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean. but the in First Timothy three, for example, yeah, or um, Titus chapter one, um, in those passages, you have what in the ancient world would have been sort of keyed in on as mm. virtue lists, right? So, kind of getting into the what we're reading and how it, it would have been, you know, shared. Yeah. It would have been a sense of, oh, I understand what this is. Like you and I would look at um, bullet points, one, two, three, and go, oh, this is a this is a list, right? Yeah, yeah. For them, they would have all of a sudden seen like these moral and um, responsibility sure. descriptors sure. and go, oh, this is a virtue list of a type of person. Right. So I'd mm -hmm. rather use a profile versus quality versus quality and qualification. Right. Right. I think that's good. What well, here's what you're looking for. This is what you're looking right. for. You know, like, you don't want a guy who treats his family bad to be <laughs> right. in a leadership role, you know, treating the sheep in a poor way. And right. and of course not being a mature individual. So, you know, elders, elders are important. What role do you, um, would you say, uh, deacons play into this, uh, into this, um, horizontal line of work? I mean, the, the term deacon just means servant. Um, I think sometimes we, in my in my experience, the deacon almost becomes like a practice elder. And I don't really think that that's what the, I don't think that's what the, the what got in. Junior elder. Yeah. Well, <laughs> or they get, or they get shoved off into, okay, well, you're going to, you know, the word deacon means servant. And uh, yes, for example, that word is used in, was it Acts 6, where they have the, the women uh, yeah, the, the Greek women who are not being served, yeah, and widows, yeah, and they, and I think too often deacons kind of get this I, this overemphasized profile of oh you're you're the grunt you know you're specialized but you're still kind of grunt workers. Sure. But to me, along with what Jovan was saying about the elders, I see the I see these as character traits that you know are proven things. You know, there's a track record that you can look at this person and go, oh, yeah, they've always been hospitable and, you know, active right. to teach and all those things. But why give a, why give a similar character profile for a deacon mm. if their only job is to put the chairs out and put them back up in the fellowship hall? Right. Yeah. Right. They're, the, why do you not, need a character profile for uh, what, a deacon of spoons? Yeah, exactly. Right. What, why do, what do you, but why spiritual do, leaders as well? Right. But maybe what the question I'm asking more so is why are there titles for those people in the new Testament? If we see it as kind of like everybody could do that, <laughs> you know, well, like, right. Well, there's a difference, right? So speaking to that particular point, um, I don't know exactly the why, 
the answer to mm. the why. Yeah. But there is enough to put together an answer that it's just because you are of age and are elderly mm. doesn't mean you're the kind of older person I'd want to follow. Right. And just because you may have worked in the field with sheep, that you may not have been the best shepherd. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is really behind these, what we might call um, uh, appointed individuals associated with these metaphors. Right. Is to highlight that these have been vetted for specific and official work on behalf of God right. in the church. Uh, like a representative, like right. representative, right? Kind of yeah. like we would see, a, you know, as, as a mature individual who's, you know, yeah. maybe a little young. Well, we always say they're, they're all, deacons are always kind of younger than elders, right? But I, I mean, think- at least in our church in our organizations there they are typically younger guys who are serving in specific types of ministries right and i would and i would encourage everybody who might be listening to this take take a moment look at the the qualifications that are in first timothy that are in uh titus first timothy three titus one and there's some there's a lot of crossover between Mm -hmm. the qualifications for deacons and elders or you know, however we want to, we often just use that term qualifications, but we kind of already address that. Um, but to me, it's the differences. Like Javon said, somebody could be a little bit older, but maybe they're not exactly like the one you're going to lead into battle or you want leading you into battle. Um, maybe they are really good at working with people. You know, I think of the shepherding as, you know, you're, you're out there amongst the sheep and you're, you're, you know, you're tending to them and you're, but maybe you're just not the, you just don't have the oversight part now. Shepherding is a, is a people thing. A hundred percent. As far as I could tell in the New Testament is, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is definitely, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes we kind of lead their roles, you know, the, what is the saying? The, the elders do the deacons work, the preachers do the elders work and the elders ha- and the deacons have nothing to do. Is that how it goes? It's, I've heard it before said yeah. like that, yeah. right? Like, you know, the elders are deciding the color of the carpet and they're concerned about the way the, you know, paint in the building looks and, but they're not so concerned with the condition, uh, uh, the condition of the sheep, right? Um, how healthy or unhealthy are they? Well, I mean, well, that's maybe, not, that's not to say that all, that right. they're all that way. It's just to say that sometimes that's the way it can be perceived. Yeah. And I think, I think the it's a, yeah. Perception is the yeah. word I'd probably yeah. use because people can have good hearts, especially in the eldership and they don't quite understand or seem to recognize that while they're doing good faith service for the church, mm-hmm. they're not connecting right. with the church. Right. And I think part of that is an inherited way of eldering mm. or shepherding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so when when we talk about this arrangement in obviously there are elders, deacon, there are elders, overseers, pastors. I'm just going to use the word elder as a catch-all. Right. Um, and then there are servants. Yeah. Tra- we transliterate to, it to deacon so that it sounds like it more official. Oh. Right? So. And in English, there's this 
there's a, a stigma with the word servant. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's exactly what it is. Like when yeah. a, a servant basically does what they're asked to do. Right. But in first Timothy three, you have appointed servants. Yeah. And in those appointed servants who are working in an official capacity on behalf of your particular congregation, mm. you want to have people who are trustworthy. You oh, want sure. them to be, yeah. you want them to have that character profile. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, real, something real quick. Character profiles were used by, um, and you can read these in like, I think Herodotus, um, for like naval captains. Mm-hmm. A naval naval captain must be, it's like it says, an overseer must be. Interesting. That's a, that's a good connection, I think. Yeah. So, um, but when we get down to it, the relationship of eldering and serving is... They're all people oriented. Like yeah. if you use Act Six as a model, right? Um, the issue that arises is that because of the need, the benevolence need among the Grecian or Hellenistic widows, um, the apostles knew the need was there, mm. so they served them until they until it became a burden to their ability and capacity to preach, sure. to share. Sure. So. Um, it gave a great example of a need that needed to be met by those who could serve people's physical needs to allow the thriving of the preaching and sharing of the word of God. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, it definitely does make an impact when you are helping people, you know, who can't help themselves. Right. Um, And I I think that, you know, can be a, a way to look at, you know, that type of servant. So um, across the board, when we look at elders, preachers, deacons, um, briefly, how would you say that those three or shepherds, preachers, deacons, shepherds, pastors, deacons, whatever you want to call it, how would you say that those or look at or perceive that those three should work together? Is it a top to bottom hierarchy? Is it a horizontal line? Is it kind of diagonal? What do you think it should be according to what you see in the New Testament? I kind of see it personally more as like a Venn diagram. Okay. Mm, um, it's interesting. Good. Yeah. So they're going to each have areas that are their own or, you know, in, in my mind intended to be their own. But there's also going to be some crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's going to be those areas where they're going to maybe all need to come together and you know obviously i think that's your core work in the church right because i mean you can't have this group working entirely over here and this group working entirely over here and this group working entirely over here never talking to one another and expect everything to go well right right that's just not going to work yeah um you know as far as you know the elder and you know these terms whether it's overseer shepherd and and to me you know i come you know i have my uh, like i said my secular employment from a business standpoint I kind of see that as like a managerial, yes, they get involved. They do things. They're not simply just like, you know, looking down from above. Um, But they don't necessarily have to have their hands on everything. Right. Right. Um, Where the deacons that, that servant work, you know, they can be the hands on. And and again, they might be a little more specialized. They may not be like the deacon of everything, but you know, I think typically in our in our modern church, we often say, you know, okay, this is going to be like the deacon of our family work or deacon of our benevolence or you know right. things of that nature. But you know, they're 
their work is going to be that day-to-day serving, you know, and again, reporting back to the elders, Hey, you know, maybe we've got this need over here, you know, as visiting brother so-and-so or visiting sister so-and-so. And, you know, they needed, they needed a little bit of help with some food or something. Yeah. But while I was there, I noticed that there's maybe this other need yeah. type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously they, I think they need, they can step in and absolutely. I've seen deacons do that, but, sure. and then you've got the preacher who, you know, primarily is there to preach, teach and edify with the word, um, not to the exclusion of these other things, obviously. Sure. Um, but then as there's this crossover and interconnectedness and the sharing of the burden, you know, uh, you know, if you look at a, if you take a, like a pyramid and turn it upside down, yeah. that's your leadership. Cause there's always fewer leaders than there are people to be mm. served. Yeah. And however wide that base is, you can make the other part a whole lot more stable. Right. If you're trying to put all that on a single point, a single individual, and that's why that system doesn't work. And it's mm. not, and I believe that's why God didn't give us that system. Yeah. Um, you know, everything's going to get top heavy and right. it may sustain for a while, but not very right. long. Yeah. And you look at certain organizations, I mean, they do have hierarchies, you know, um, in the sense that one guy kind of controls everything the other guys do. You know, it, to me, that seems more like a business model than, you know, because I've heard it said, and I, I I do agree with this, that the church is a living organism. It's not a business. You know, it's a group of people that are coming together because they believe in something, right? And therefore, it should be, if it is living, it should be treated as such, right? Yeah, good point, Garrett. I like that. Very good. Any commentary from the uh, the scholar over there in the Biola hat? <laughs> <laughs> um I mean, don't take too long. We don't have, you know, 40 minutes, but. No. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> you picked the wrong guy. Uh-huh. Um, no. Brief. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, here, here's the 20-second version. Um, in short, the servant leader principle applies to all of us, mm-hmm. whether you are officially appointed or not. Right. So on at that level, it's somewhat flat right right our relationship how we work together it's somewhat flat your appointedness should not affect your ability to serve with others yeah mm-hmm. yeah um in addition to that perhaps now i'm about to hit 25 seconds but in addition <laughs> to that um i know of no other particular role where the spirit-led apostle says you have the oversight hmm. outside of the elders. So that was I your am, wife. I am married, by the way. <laughs> that was his wife knocking at the door. I said, come back later. If I have said that, my wife would have, what did you say to me? Yeah. Oh, no. By the way, when you were talking about Venn diagrams, I really wanted to make a joke because, you know, there's some political people that, you know, I love Venn diagrams. Yeah. You know, I won't say I won't name drop here, but that was just I started <laughs> giggling internally about, about Venn diagrams. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's jump to this um, this question uh, and tell me what you know. Be be completely honest. You know, you can be completely transparent on here. Um, what what does an unhealthy church leadership look like? In a word, selfish. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. fine. Okay. So, so could you describe to me what that might, what sell? Okay. So give me some examples of selfish leaderships, uh, you know, making it, well, okay. Like Jovan, Jovan was saying about 
everybody's basically equal, you know, I mean, yes, the elders have oversight. Yes. They have some authority at their local congregation, but that doesn't make them. It doesn't make them God. Exactly. And they, and you know, they don't, they don't have like this exalted status. I mean, there's warnings in the new Testament, you know, only take a, you know, Timothy's warned to only take an accusation against an elder. If there's multiple witnesses, you know, because again, there are, there's supposed to be people of such upstanding character that if an accusation of wrongdoing is made, it should almost be unbelievable. There's no way they could have done that, you know. Um, All right. Not that they can't make mistakes. Everybody yeah. makes mistakes, but you know, if it's the preacher, if it's the deacons, if it's the elders, if it's about promoting myself or my role in contrast to everyone else, well, okay, we're that's not healthy. The um, one of the best biblical examples of toxic leadership is Diotrephes in Third John who is resisting the Apostle John's influence and authority when he sends approved missionaries to whatever this church is Mm. for financial support to send them on their way to continue their sharing of the gospel. Diotrephes rejects apostolic Holy Spirit authority Mm. and kicks people out of his church who disagrees with him. Mm. In addition, John says, Diotrephes, who loves to be first. Mm. That's a good point. And the, the irony, of course, is we follow Jesus because he's the Alpha and the Omega. Right. And yet, somehow, somehow, our selfishness gets in the way of that. Right. Isn't that crazy? And, and yeah. And, and when you. When you see in Acts 20, Paul says to the elders, from among yourselves, mm-hmm. men will arise speaking perverse thing, trying to pile up followers after themselves right. from the eldership. This is why it's important to have the right character to enter that role. Yeah. That's why you need those profiles. In addition, um, and I was thinking about this. Well, where were those elders from? Ephesus. Mm. Where is the biggest extended treatment of elders found? First Timothy. Yeah. Where was Timothy? Ministering in Ephesus. Right. You go to Revelation chapter two. What was the problem in Ephesus? Yeah. They lost their first love, they lost right? Their first love. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for everything in, in ironically, John wrote the gospel of John likely in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Ephesus is probably the, the next important city outside of Jerusalem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and yet it struggled. with Because yeah, it does seem to be kind of a pillar in scripture when you're yeah. reading through mm-hmm. Acts and you're reading through, you know. Yeah. It's ironic because how does right. Rome become this big thing sure. in, in the history of the church? Yeah. Yeah. For the church, it's Ephesus that seems to be the epicenter right. of, you right. know, of Gentile, you know. Right. Gentile Christianity. Christianity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I just, I just want to say, you know, in practical, in my experience, I've seen men who um, cannot handle other people's knowledge of Scripture huh. in a re- weird, toxic way. There are two things that I've learned. Um, one, if you want to know a person, give him power. Mm-hmm. If you want to, the second principle I've learned is if you want to know a person, critique them. Mm. See their response. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you want to know a man, power will reveal them. Mm-hmm. Right. But also 
critiquing them will reveal them too. Yeah. And too many of us have glass jaws in leadership. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. and that breeds toxic. I mean, we don't, we don't want to be wrong. Right. Yeah, that's a pride be, thing though too, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. yeah. We don't want to be corrected. You know, like God has given us this gift. We should be able to, right. you know, we have, ah, so it all comes I mean, it's the oldest sin in the book. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have dealt with this in the past, but I've dealt with guys like that in my, in various ministries and various places that I've, um, been, um, so let's, um, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the, the last thing here. We'll do a little, you know, like a little application, a little call to action. Let's, um, uh, firstly, um, what can, what can people like us, uh, do to be better leaders for the people we're leading. What can we do? What can we do to be better leaders for the people we're leading? I think one of the most important things that at least I try to practice in, in anything is in, especially ministry is transparency. Yeah. I mean, vulnerability, not to the point where they can blackmail you, but, <laughs> um, but transparency and vulnerability where it's like, Look, you may hear me preach or something, or you may hear me say something. I didn't start like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't start having all these, all this book knowledge or right. I didn't start having all this leadership wisdom or whatever it is. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I had to fight for this right. too. It's not about too many times. And this kind of was revealed to me in um, the rise and fall of Mars Hill. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's a good, but yeah. Um, Ed Stetzer said there's a problem when um, talent outpaces character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're talented, sometimes you just assume the person's got their character together. Yeah. And I think it's important for all of us to go, you know what? I'm a, I, I need Jesus just like all of you. Right. right. So I need grace as I'm going to give grace. So. Well, I think is, you know, building people now, building the future, however you want to look at it. I always go back to the principle um, from the book of Proverbs, train up a child in, in the way that they should go, which is often, you know, we, we assume that, or people apply that as though we need to teach our children all the right things and they'll never, ever leave. But in application, I think, I hope, I hope people realize that that's not how that works. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes people are brought up in the house that they need to be brought up in and they still make bad decisions. Um but it's about working with individuals as individuals. Um, you know, I think we sometimes get too, we get too program or too uh, system focused as far as, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to go, I'm going to go evangelize this person and I'm going to use this system. That system may not work for that person one yeah. little bit. And we're going to blame that person when it was our approach to that person that was actually the problem. Ooh. And the same thing goes if we're if we're working with people who are already Christians and, you know, maybe they've got some struggles and we're trying to help them and we're all trying to grow together. Well, we have to deal, you know, that might look similar to something that we've experienced or that we've seen in other people. But that individual's background, that individual's everything, personality is going to come into that. And so, yes, there are some generalities, but then you also have to kind of tailor, you know, we, we can't treat every single Christian as some, you know, unformed blob. Sure. It's just, a, you know, a cog in the, in yeah. in the machine. Um, they're people and, yeah. um, you know, what's hurt them in the past, what motivates them is going to be a little bit different 
from every other person that we we deal with. And we, if we were going to really have that humility, well, the transparency, well, I don't know everything about you and I don't know everything about what's going on in your life, but what you're willing to share, we can work with and we can grow together. Right. Right. And, and the more that we do that, the more they're going to be willing to share. Yeah. Um, but then also, we, you know, I also love the way that Paul puts it when he's talking to the church in Thessalonica and he says that he not only imparted the gospel, but he imparted a part of himself. Mm. Um, it's a give and take. Yeah. We have to put a part of our life in their hands. Right. And, you know, that's, that's challenging. Yeah. Mm. Not everybody's going to handle us the way that they should either. Right. They're still growing also. Um, but again, it's putting that trust in them and giving them a chance to, well, maybe hurt us or, you know, fail us or however you want to look at it. Um, but, you know, it's about bringing the, the people around that, you know, whether it's in talking about, you know, in these roles, it's generally going to be a man, but that doesn't mean we can just let our young ladies do whatever they want right. and hope everything works out in the right. end. Um, but, you know, uh, it's, I think it's just about trying to bring them up to the, to this character profile as Javon put it. Yeah. I love that. I think that's I good. That. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, where I might be a little bit lacking is going to be a little bit different from somebody else. And so we're going to have to massage that approach sure. a little bit. Sure. And, and I, I think I also too, to add to what you guys were saying, I think the best thing that we can do for our people to, aside from what you, in part to what you guys said is uh, make sure that we're healthy um, you know, healthy leaders create healthy churches. Mm -hmm. And if we want the, if we want healthy people, people who aren't, you know, uh, narrow minded and, and angry and upset with things, I think it's important for us as, as ministers, uh, as preachers, you know, whatever you want to call us, we got a thousand different names, but it's important that we're healthy. Um, and that if we're healthy and even, you know, to, to speak to an eldership too, if they, if the eldership is healthy, uh, a lot of things go well, <laughs> you know, if an eldership is unhealthy, a lot of things go a lot of well. And I'm sure you guys got countless stories of, you know, um, we could spend another hour probably talking about the stories alone, just of, you know, unhealthy leaders and the way that they think and the way that they handle things versus healthy leaders in the way that they do and handle things. All right. Thank you guys for, uh, coming on. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. it. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us on The Back Pew. I hope you enjoyed that discussion of church leadership. These are two of my closest friends and well-known ministers here in the Valley. So again, if you liked what we're doing here, go ahead and hit that plus button and leave us a review. Let us know what you think of what we're doing and what we're talking about. We would also appreciate your input on our questions on Instagram. You can follow us at the.back.pew. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll see you soon.